we have in studio uh, Councilman Mike Fagan. He is a representative of District 1 in Spokane, which is uh, upper northwestern Spokane. That's uh, Hilliard all, all the way down to East Sprague. And he is also a co-host on a radio show, just like us, uh, yeah. called The Right Spokane Perspective, uh, referring to a conservative right Which you know we just view. love that title. We love that title. Um <laughs> And so we welcome Councilman Mike Fagan. Hello, hello. Well, hello there, guys. Hello. Hi. Do I need to say something before? Because I have to say, obviously, you're a very polarizing individual in politics. People have one opinion or the other. But I uh, really appreciate you coming into the studio to be uh, on our show because it's all part of that conversation we talk about of being able yeah. to come yeah. together, even if there might be a views that we oppose. Uh, and have that conversation. So we really appreciate you coming into our studio. Oh, you bet. And I'll tell you something. You know, just sitting here for the last 40 mm-hmm. or so minutes listening to you guys and your interaction and whatnot, I'll tell you, you know, your listeners uh, got to be proud to have a couple of uh, DJs like you oh, well, talking about you. the issues and things yeah. like that. And you're absolutely correct. I mean, it is all about dialogue. Mm-hmm. It is it all is about, about the conversation. And, you know, listening to uh, one of your uh, shows, when I was listening to The Right Spokane Perspective, uh, I think a couple of days ago, but I, I noticed that just like our show, you guys have a high call to action. It's get excited, get pumped. Let's do something in the community. Let's make change. Don't just sit here. Uh, whatever you believe, just go and do the change. And that is something that I love uh, that you you do on your show. Oh, you bet. Well, I mean, it, you know, just like you guys, mm-hmm. uh, you have no problem bringing on the uh, differing opinions right. and perspectives and stuff like this. And, you know, it gives uh, it gives that issue a mm-hmm. good opportunity to get vetted. Exactly. And, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, I mean, it's all about talking through the issues uh, and then whatever direction you decide to take, you know, as long as you're taking action. Exactly. That's a good thing. Yeah, do something. Go. Nike had it right so many years yeah, ago. Just do, do just do it. I <laughs> exactly. love that. So now how uh, let's talk first about the the show, the Right Spokane Perspective. That's been going on for about five years now. Is that correct? Yeah, a little over five and mm-hmm. a half years. Uh, we've been number one on that station for a little over two years. Awesome. Now. Awesome. Uh, and, you know, again, it's uh, the name of the show is uh, you know, you could take it a couple of different ways. Right. <laughs> you're either taking the right perspective right. at something or you're taking, you know, the right side of right. the issue. Okay. Well, it's definitely a good play on words. I told Sergey that earlier. Where yeah. we're looking at. <laughs> good play on words. We, you know, one of Clever. them maybe we question. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it's at least a good play on words. Uh, the C questioning, that's where it all right, begins. That's where it starts. Um, so how did, uh, first of all, that get started and how did that transition into you, uh, you know, going into uh, the councilman position? Okay. Well, you know, with regard to going Mm -hmm. into the councilman position, uh, that just seemed to be uh, a natural uh, step on the ladder rung, if you will, because I had just spent uh, the last 15 or so years prior to uh, announcing uh, for city council uh, being a community leader over in the community of Hilliard. Right. Uh, A couple of things that we've uh, uh, done that have been very, very notable over in the Hilliard community here over the last 10 to 15 years was, number one, we got that Hilliard Skate Park established. Right. Very, very world-class skate park. We've had Tony Hawk over there a couple of times over the years and uh, do anticipate bringing him back on in uh, to Spokane here, maybe this year, maybe next year. then we went ahead and participated in a huge revitalization effort for Market Street as well as Haven. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we're looking at the onset of the North-South Corridor uh, being right, established. Right. And I'll tell you something, uh, we really expect some wonderful things to happen there in Northeast Spokane when we can get that uh, Francis as well as Wellesley off-ramp to that North-South right. Corridor. Sure. Um, you know, five and a half years ago, uh, basically, the uh, studio owner, the radio station owner, Tom Reed, uh, happened to uh, tap me on the shoulder along with a couple of other guys uh, just to provide some impromptu election coverage mm-hmm. uh, for the election cycle that was going on back then. And uh, apparently we did well enough that uh, he tapped a couple of us on the shoulder and said, hey, come on back. We'd like to uh, try out. Uh, see what you can do with your own half-hour show, and yeah, uh, things yeah. take off, then we'll see what happens from there. And uh, it's been an interesting ride ever since. Sure. You know, again, just as you guys do, you're putting out some real-time information, putting out those mm-hmm. kinds of uh, issues that are in your face all the time. Uh, and, like, you know, again, it, it's all about uh, getting the information out, mm-hmm. uh, encouraging people to uh, do their own due diligence, and then once they do that, make up your mind and then, a call to action. Do something. Right, right, right. 
Absolutely. Now, do you feel one of the questions I have is do you feel you've mentioned some great things that you've been able to do in your district there. Do you feel that it ever gets overshadowed? Because, I mean, you're a very opinionated individual and you say some statements that really get people riled up. Do you ever feel like that maybe overshadows some good things that you're trying to do? Um, and how do you answer that? Because I remember a statement that you had made where you said you were trying to, in the election, you were trying to separate yourself from some some rather large statements you had made and show that you were maybe a little more moderate, I guess, uh, but not moderate, but a little less than, than where you were. But it doesn't seem in recent times that you've really stuck to that, though. Well, I'll tell you, it, just like anybody else, just mm-hmm. like you guys, I'm just regular Joe Albee. Right. You know, I mean, sure. there's nothing special about me. I don't have a high flute college degree. You know, I've just got a lot of world experience under my belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I am a veteran, spent 10 years in the Army, uh, you know, perf- uh, had a career and a half, if you will, in electronics manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've been involved, uh, you know, last 15, 20 years in my neighborhood, my community, uh, just doing what I can, working with all walks of life, sure. mm-hmm. all different political persuasions and perspectives. Uh, to try to bring things together, you know, again, for the good of the whole. Right. Um, yeah, I uh, will, ad- you know, raise my hand and admit it, there have been some uh, several issues out there where I could be considered outspoken in some circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there again, in other circles, uh, maybe my comments were not so as outspoken or uh, edgy, if you will. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, do I feel as though they may have overshadowed some of the other things that uh, I might be striving to do that, uh, uh, you know, would, in essence, be considered the good of the whole? Uh, maybe, maybe not. That just sure. depends on uh, people's perspectives, their mm-hmm. opinions and things like this. Uh, the only thing that I would ask is that uh, if you do have an issue with something that I may have said, uh, something that I may have done, that you would give me the courtesy Mm-hmm. of approaching me or confronting me personally right and right. you know getting clarification and stuff like that right, right. right. of course I mean, it's always good to go uh, and get it from the horse's mouth right right, right. yeah true. of course true. that is true. absolutely true. true well which is why you're here yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you said the word outspoken two or three times you're which right we, on yeah. the right show this is where we <laughs> get outspoken and right you know declare what we accept as true in a way that envisions our resolve oh, that we bet. accept it with exactly oh, um so question, uh, sure. we, we've been talking about, you know, some of the comments that may have, you know, backlash on you or uh, things that people have gotten riled up uh, going right along with that flow. Recently, uh, Spokane schools have uh-huh. uh, pulled out kids for the vaccine situation because uh, a, a lot of kids were out of compliance and still yeah. 700 think, are. Yeah, there were 900 um, that they exactly. in their study had found that were out of compliance. Sure. So they they actually pulled mm-hmm. state law and said we're actually going to enforce it and say we're going to pull students that are that we don't have records for showing that you've been vaccinated Seven, 200 of them got taken care of 700 are still out of compliance but it was a big deal for any school district to pull you have been very outspoken on your opinion of vaccinations mm-hmm. uh, so what is your response to that story well uh you know obviously the school district is going to do what they're going to do and right. you know just to be clear with the listening audience out there my specific stance on vaccinations is this and it's pretty simple about a decade ago my worldview on vaccinations changed mm-hmm. i personally don't do the vaccinations but i am not going to stop anybody else from getting vaccinated or if they'd like to subject their children to vaccinations that's all fine and good with me my only cautionary statement would be to do your due diligence mm-hmm. bef- and make up your own mind before you decide to put something into your body. Right. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, a lot of folks out there really don't uh, take in consideration that when they do go to a doctor, they go to a medical clinic, they go to a hospital and things like this. It's no different than when you go to the grocery store. You are there buying a service. Mm-hmm. You're buying mm-hmm. a product and you have every right to question mm-hmm. what it is that you're doing. And what it is that the doctor's doing, the nurse is doing, you know, the direction the clinic is taking. Um, You know, I'll tell you, there are there are several things uh, that that go on currently in Washington state that don't quite make sense to me. Okay, you know, one of those things would be this. I mean, I have uh, encountered over the last several months as a result of the vaccination issue, uh, medical professionals who. Ended up losing their jobs because at that medical institution, the clinic, wherever it is that they happen to be working, where they are providing medical services and things like this, uh, they do have policies where it's, you know, you get vaccinated or you don't belong. Right. And, uh, 
you know, it's my understanding now that there's a movement underfoot by a national level nurses association who concur with me. And that that thought is this. If you do subject your medical professionals to vaccinations, don't you realize that these guys are actually going to be contagious for a time period? Mm. But yet you are expecting them as the employer of these medical institutions and clinics and whatnot to continue to interact with patients and their families. You're actually performing your duties, walking down the hall. And, you know, some of these uh, things that you're being vaccinated for can be uh, passed on to other people airborne. Mm -hmm. So how does that make any sense? It doesn't really make too much sense to me. Is the answer not to vaccinate or is the answer to change policy on what happens when that doctor gets vaccinated? Maybe there's a period where he can't be, you know, at work or whatever. Because I think I think it's a big leap to say, well, then. They shouldn't get vaccinated because I think when you're involved, I think that's the problem so many people have that are are pro vaccination uh-huh. in the public is because those children that are not vaccinated are in the school system with their with their children not vaccinated. And the school board or the school districts have policies that if there's sure. a, an outbreak, then those that don't get vaccinated, they have to not be in the classroom for, I forget, 20 days mm-hmm. or something. Sure. But bet. so is the answer not to vaccinate, though, for the doctors? Or should we just deal with the policies? Because they are dealing with the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bet. Well, I mean, that's a real good question. And it's an extremely hard answer because, you know, obviously you already mm-hmm. know what my standpoint is on vaccinations. Right. right. So I'm going to be, you know, leaning toward the con side of that, obviously. Um, but you know, let's take a look. Uh, let's take a look at it from the standpoint of this. If your child is vaccinated, if my unvaccinated is my unvaccinated child going to pass a disease on to them? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. Mm-hmm. So ask that question uh, and think about that for a little bit, because, I mean, you know, in reality, if you do end up getting vaccinated, then you should not be able to catch the disease. But what we ha- what have we been seeing? Um, you know, in the case of measles here, uh, it's well-known fact, documented fact nowadays. Over the last decade, there have been no deaths attributed to measles. Right. Mm-hmm. Yet mm-hmm. there have been well over 100 deaths attributed to the vaccine. Now, think about it uh, another step further. You know, I mean, as a grandparent, and uh, I don't know if you guys, uh, you know, have kids or anything to that effect. Right. you got brothers and sisters that mm-hmm. got kids. Right. But when you were vaccinated and when I was vaccinated, we were vaccinated one vaccine at a time. They were kind of spread out and this kind of thing. But a lot of people nowadays are uh, in a position where they're having to subject their children all the way up to six years old mm-hmm. with over 40 different vaccines just from birth to six years old. And a lot of those vaccines are uh, being delivered in what I call Molotov cocktails, Mm -hmm. i.e. these are a combination of four, six, eight, ten different vaccines in one sitting. Right. And, uh, you know, you take a look at some of the ingredients of the vaccines that are out there also. And whereas, you know, a decade or so ago, uh, one of the more standard uh, ingredients for vaccines would have been animal proteins. Well, nowadays, and at least the MMR vaccine, uh, they've replaced the animal protein um, uh, part of the manufacturing process with aborted fetal cells. So mm-hmm. we're talking about human DNA. And then you sit down and think about the potential for a connection to autism. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what have we seen our autism rates do in the last decade? Double, triple, quadruple. I mean, we're now down to, you know, uh, one in a hundred or mm-hmm. less right. is getting autism. And the, I think that question started coming up because people were no, noticing a correlation that as, you know, both rates were going up. But sure. is that enough? It's not enough to say one equals the other, though. And so studies have been done since then to looking at the very thing that you brought up, which mm-hmm. has been the question on people's mind, which is, listen, we're vaccinating our kids with so much more mm-hmm. than we ever did in the days when we were children. Um, but those studies have been done showing that they can find no correlation between like autism, which is one of the big ones that uh, is out there saying a lot of people saying sure. your child can get autism. But I think that noticing that correlation doesn't necessarily equal that one affects the other which is why the studies were done so i feel like it's a big jump to say those correlations yeah it, it could very well be mm-hmm. but let's also take in consideration that some of these studies that you're referring to are mainstream mm-hmm. and they are circulating in the mainstream but what about those non-mainstream studies that have also been done that would refute that 
because if you guys recall when this issue regarding vaccinations blew mm-hmm. up and I'll and I'll say it blew up in my face yeah okay <laughs> for all those folks yeah. absolutely and, yeah. and again it's a difference of opinion because mm-hmm. in, in my I mean in my opinion I, I what I did was I I actually hit the trifecta to tell you the truth because not only did I challenge the uh, consensus at the time with the connection between the MMR vaccine and rates of autism. But I also happened to include the word illegal aliens. You did. Yes, yes I have that quote right here. And there that, it is. And that particular <laughs> dilemma, as, yeah. as well as, um, oh, geez, it was the third thing there in that trifecta that was really crazy. It was the vaccines. Oh, it was global warming. Yes, there oh, it is. There, it there, is. there yeah. you go. So, you know, I, I looked upon the vaccination issue mm-hmm. as an unsettled science. Okay. Now, the reason why I uh, say unsettled science is uh, let's take the example of global warming or climate change or whatever people are calling it nowadays. You know, take the example of our own Spokesman Review newspaper. Mm-hmm. One day you'd crack open the newspaper and it'd say, hey, there is no global warming and this is why. But then a couple of days later, you would get a 180 degree article posted in the newspaper saying oh my gosh our polar bears are drowning sure, and our yeah. polar ice caps are disappearing etc and so forth so what is the reality here right well and with with things like that you absolutely do have to check your sources and see i mean the spokesman review absolutely can post um contradicting articles and sure. uh, if it's a difference of opinion then it's a difference of opinion um and they love doing that media we love doing that oftentimes we love putting uh controversial right. opinions you together and, and exactly it causes you to think and i ho- i would hope that that causes people to look into it and find the reality of it sure now um uh, in in terms of you know increase to autism and you know you correlated global warming into that um you know we we do have a lot of unsettled science like you said but to say uh, stopping vaccinations as the answer immediately versus researching what we put into them, do you think that's the right answer? Do you do you think we say, look, we know what's in here and it can be dangerous. Do we change that or do we just say no more vaccines and subject our kids to potential measles? Well, uh, let me answer that question this way. First yeah. and foremost, uh, I have not taken the stance where we're saying, uh-uh, no more vaccines. Okay. It's just my personal stance. Perfect. I don't do the vaccines. Okay. Uh, do I um, forbid my grandkids from getting vaccines? Mm-hmm. No, I do not. Mm-hmm. That is a parental decision. Uh, but will I counsel uh, my son or my daughter? Uh, you bet. I'll definitely point out to them you know, some of the things that they need to be researching before they make that final decision. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, with regard to, uh, uh, again, the, the unsettled science, I think that... Uh, uh, you know, if we if we were looking towards the mainstream media all the time uh, for our realities and mm-hmm. our truths, I would tend to say that people need to think again, because, you know, there uh, are definitely instances where the media does have an agenda. Sure. Uh, that agenda isn't necessarily one that would side with the people. That agenda would side with big money. You know, in this particular case, we're talking about big pharma. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure that you guys will agree Uh, from a Democrat standpoint. uh, You know, we're talking about all of this, this black money in in, uh, political campaigns. Sure. Things to that effect. You know, Uh, one thing that the Republicans are always uh, or conservatives are always uh, uh, hit up for is the fact that, uh, you know, we lean towards the corporations and it's the corporations money. That is, uh, you know, ruining politics in general. Of course. Um, Well, you know, let's take the example of Big Pharma. I mean, uh, you know, they don't make any money if we're not sick, right? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Um, And there, and and I'll tell you, I'm sure a lot of people out there that that you know intently watch TV, they will agree that I mean, it seems like every 15 minutes, what do you see is a commercial, Mm -hmm. Uh, a commercial for a drug, a pharmaceutical, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. So you know that there are billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, and uh, and interest in that particular industry. Well, you know, one of the things that I got bashed over the head for was, hey, look, Mike, you know, this issue with vaccinations, I mean, it should be looked at as the good of the whole. Mm -hmm. Right. And okay, to an extent, I would agree. But what do you tell that parent that just got done having a vaccine death of their child or a vaccine injury of their child that, 
you know, they were subjected and, right. and their child got killed or, or got injured because of the good of the whole. Right. That just doesn't wash. But I think that the, the, the leadership part is the hard part about that because as we – those that choose to be in leadership, the answer is you have to figure out then – because so if if in vaccinations and as you said, your stance isn't that no one should be vaccinated. It's that for your personal choice, sure. uh, not. But to take away vaccination or to have that be the other option, how many tons more children die? You know what I mean? So I think what we hear a lot from politicians, politicians, which is hard. You know, I, there's a lot of quotes that you have about, you know, media and about um the studies, you talk about the studies, and maybe it's not just mainstream studies we need to look at. Maybe we need to look at some non-mainstream studies. Sure. But in the end, mm-hmm. the same thing seems to be coming up. What is, where we talk about in the last few minutes, the leap of this leap that we take from of extremist points, what's the answer, though? What's the solution? I mean, if we don't have any solution at all, I think that's the problem. We see it in politics all the time. I have a problem with this issue. Okay, so how do we fix it? I can't tell you what how we're supposed to fix it, but I just say you're wrong. So where does that responsibility of leadership come in? You, you know got, what I mean? Well, uh, one thing's for certain. What you don't want is you don't want leaders all marching in lockstep in the same direction because mm-hmm. that does not provide you any type of an opportunity to have that dissenting dialogue, that right. dissenting perspective or opinion. Uh, and, you know, again, in my particular case, I don't do them personally, but would I vote against a budget that has vaccinations in it? No, not right. at all. Um, would I uh, vote on something that would, uh, um, you know, make vaccinations mandatory? Well, I might have a little bit of a problem with that because of, uh, you know, the choice that I think people need to be given. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with regard to leadership, uh Again, I would hope that a lot of folks out there, before they make up their mind on a particular issue, on a particular candidate, that they do do their due diligence and they thoroughly vet their candidates, thoroughly vet their issues before they finally take their stance. In the case of the vaccinations, uh, I felt pretty comfortable uh, in the media coverage that uh, uh, was provided to the comments that I ended up making because Mm -hmm. that got the general public thinking. Right. That got the general public hopefully mm-hmm. uh, researching yeah. some of the statements. It that started I the up. conversation. That's right. It yeah. started the conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing's for certain. What we had in a vaccination scenario a decade ago, two decades ago, is totally different from what we have got now. And I'm hoping that that basic difference is going to be enough to spark at least somebody hitting the stop button for a couple of minutes and Mm -hmm. going, hmm, let me scratch my head and think about this. If we're starting to see more deaths and more injuries than we had, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, the last 10 years, something must be going on. And that should give us pause to at least hit that stop button and investigate what Mm -hmm. it is that may or may not be going on. Right. Uh, You know, again, it's I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying I don't do it. And please be careful uh, before you do it. Right. I mean, that led to one of the most um, that whole vaccine thing led to one of the most. I don't know. I don't want to say entertaining, but what explosive explosive is a great way to say that. Yeah. My question would be then, you know, there was that whole being on the, the health board and sure. and them, you know, the council, resignation. Yeah, they the asked council you asked to resign. resignation. So is it you even though you say you're not you're saying that for you, you're still opposed to something that the health board overall is saying our recommendations are that children be vaccinated. Isn't it is it better to stay on that board or is it better to maybe start something of your own to to because you are against it i wonder about the just the decision to be on that board sure well um first and foremost i have no intent on resigning Mm -hmm. uh and you know the uh discussions that were ongoing with the council majority at the time have basically been dropped right um you know there was a lot of huffing and puffing that was going on they stomped their feet Uh, They basically issued a direction to the public on Mm -hmm. how they were going to deal with me and my particular stance on the health board, and they failed to follow through. So enough about that. Um, You know, again, if you uh, and I'll give you a little bit more uh, uh, specific background here in just a sec, but I don't personally feel and I think that the vast majority of 
the general public mm-hmm. would feel the same. If you are all marching in lockstep in the same right. direction, I mean, really, what are you doing? Uh, do you really need to have boards and commissions? Do you really need to have a council if everybody's headed in the same direction right. and there is no dissent? Uh, there is no difference of opinion, uh, et cetera, and so forth. And, and here's another reason why I, I make this statement. I make this statement because right on the CDC, the Center for Disease Control's mm-hmm. webpage, and they are mm-hmm. a private uh, corporation here in the United States uh, that you know acts as, as a NGO or a non-governmental organization advisory group to the federal government, right on their webpage they say, look, guys, the, this year's flu vaccine is only 23% effective, okay? Yet, it is the stance of everybody to send you on down to Walgreens, send you over to Rite Aid, plunk Mm -hmm. your $10 down, and get a flu shot that only a quarter of the time is going to work? Come on. What's up with that? And then, to add further insult to injury, if you read a little bit further into that, the CDC also makes the claim that overall vaccinations, vaccinations overall, are only 19% effective. And that comes from the same group that it's was being to used be. to beat me over the head mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully into submission. And I'm not going to buy it. Right. Right. No, absolutely. And I, I think when, when you say uh, that today the way vaccinations are done are different than the way they were done 50 even 10 years ago, sure. 20 years ago, um, that's that's really where the key of this lies. I think it's uh, opening your eyes up and looking to what is being put into your body. And I think that's a great uh, message to send uh, to the people. Just be aware. Awareness. Right, right. Here, let me throw you another example. Right. Gardasil. Okay, mm-hmm. this is the vaccination that that came up, what, five, seven years ago? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this vaccination was supposed to curb HPV, mm-hmm. the uh, Papilova virus okay. that causes cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. All right. Under normal circumstances across the United States, your cervical cancer deaths are one in 40,000. Using Gardasil, your, server, your, your Gardasil deaths are like one in 990. So w- what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually causing more deaths utilizing the vaccine than we are the actual standard that's been established in the one in 40,000. Right. So how does that make any sense? Now, a lot of the times with those numbers, I know you have to be aware uh, how they calculate those uh, statistics and where they come from. Because uh, what, with statistics, a lot of the times you can take a number that was calculated a different way and put it into the same equation, make it look like that. And especially with uh, per capita uh, deaths is another important one because it, as population increases, deaths will, of course, at the same rate increase as well. So you have to look at that. But absolutely, um, I I'd love to talk more about the vaccine, but we have just so much on the board that sure. we probably need you to. You are a hot oh, yeah, topic, sir. That we need to <laughs> get on and going. Um, uh, important part of your job is to represent your constituents and your district, District 1, which does include Hilliard uh, and happens to be one of the poorer uh, areas in Spokane and in Washington State. Um, how do you, uh, I mean, what is the action plan to make that? stop happening. I mean, a lot of the times you've gotten criticisms being anti-tax and those taxes support directly lower income uh, families, and yet you represent Hilliard. How do you uh, s- propose that that changes? Okay. Well, first and foremost, I've got to let your listeners know that I didn't come to office to change the world, right. so no, to speak. Of course. You know, yeah. um, issue a whole bunch of resolutions, issue a whole bunch of ordinances, etc. We came into office with a set um, uh, a set uh, priorities, mm-hmm. a set of priorities, you know, and, and uh, four years ago, almost four years ago, we're talking about our, our issues with our law enforcement and criminal justice system, you know, with the AutoZam issue. It wasn't quite settled at that particular point. Uh, and over the last three years, uh, I think that the uh, mayor's administration, the council and the chief of police have done very, very well. We've employed the use of the three R's. And what I mean by that specifically would be a restructure, uh, reorganization, and of course, now we're currently in the process of rebranding. I can tell you that in the last year, we have seen overall crime decrease 25 to 30 percent, which is great. We're headed in the right direction. We're uh, in in the uh, position to hire more police officers. We now uh, have reestablished our uh, 
our police academy back here in the city of Spokane. So that's going to make it uh, a lot more uh, advantageous for the cost, uh, you know, the taxpayers and the cost that we used to have associated with sending cops over. You know, one of the other things that we came into office to deal with was the fact that our 10-year street bond was getting ready to expire. And uh, it was great that the voters came together uh, last November, and they overwhelmingly supported the next 20-year street levy. Mm -hmm. Great, great, great stuff. Now, with regard to my anti-tax stance, Mm -hmm. I I am one that would like to see reform and other methodologies explored before we just willy-nilly whip out the tax wand Mm -hmm. and wave it and you know, go after people's right. monies because I'll tell you something, uh, you know, and I, people have heard me say this on the dais, you know, where my colleagues might claim to see that light at the end of the tunnel. To me, somebody ended up turning that light off or all I'm seeing is a faint glimmer. Uh, just in the last year, culminating with the end of this month and the STA vote, let's mm-hmm. say that the voters uh, approve of the STA vote. million over a 10-year time period, just from April 2014 to April 2015, again, culminating in the STA vote, the citizens in Spokane County, the city of Spokane, between the county commissioners, the citizens, and the city council, we would have raised the people's taxes to the tune of $1.373 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars in just this one year. Okay, considering that District 1, Northeast Spokane, Hilliard in general, or 99207 has been, and in my opinion, will continue to be one of the poorest, if not the poorest, legislative district and zip code in the state, we got to do better. We really do. And granted, that 1.373, we're not going to be paying it back all at one time. We're actually paying it back through over the course of 20 years. Mm -hmm. But still. $1.373 billion. That is a ton of money. And there are only so many dollars that you can squeeze out of any given community without having some things in place. And where we really hurt right now Mm -hmm. in the city of Spokane and in Spokane County, let's just call it the state of Washington in general, is we have some very egregious policies, taxations, and regulations on our businesses. And, you know... Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the direction that we are headed as a council is we plan on over the next year or so to tack more and more of a burden on our business owners' shoulders. Now, how in the heck are we going to be uh, promoting and encouraging the creation of jobs, Mm -hmm. okay, if we continue to put these burdens on our businesses? You know, just to give you a couple of ideas, uh, some things that are coming up, and again, Uh, These are all uh, uh, real-time issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of folks are going to recognize these things. Uh, First issue that's coming up this Monday night, we're going to be talking about a resolution uh, which is going to bring together a community coalition of uh, union organizations, nonprofits, and hopefully the business community is going to be invited to the table to talk about the paid sick leave issue. Mm-hmm. Now, for the last month and a half, every Monday night at the f- open forum, we have had business owners provide us with uh, open forum testimony, giving us ideas as to what it would do to their business if they end up having to engage in paid sick leave. Next thing we're going to be talking about is the minimum wage issue. Then we've got equal pay for women. We're going to be talking about family wage issues, wrongful termination. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, a Seattle-style mm-hmm. expansion of our Landlord-Tenant Act. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, folks, the way I'm seeing that particular expansion, it's not going to be leaning in the favor of the landlords when, in fact, it should. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, another thing, and, and uh, this is just a personal opinion, mm-hmm. but I want your listeners out there to just sit down and think about what I'm going to say. It is this. In the city of Spokane, We have been under the control of Democrat legislators in the House and or the Senate and or the governor's mansion for 30 years. What do the people of the city of Spokane have to show for that? Has that Democrat control over the last 30 years improved any of my constituents' lives? 
And, you know, I'll tell you, the way I approach this job is constituents are top priority, Mm -hmm. community is second, and then city government is third. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying here is if I got something going on in the city for a meeting, et cetera, but I got a constituent that needs to see me out there in Hilliard or in Logan, Chief Gary Park, I am there. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think my question would be, so I hear, you know, I hear where you're coming from in the criticisms, and I agree things need to get better. But what, then what is it that you would state that would make it even – that would make it towards that way? We know that, you know, uh, you're saying that the the w- the system as it has been over the last, you know, number of years isn't working. But how do we fix it? What's the plan to make it work, where, because the money's going to come from somewhere, so where does it come from? Where are the answers that would switch it to be better instead of just saying that this doesn't work? How does it work? Well, uh, again, it is all in who it is that we are electing. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it all boils down to you got to know who it is that you are electing. You've got to thoroughly vet these candidates, know exactly where they're coming from, not just on the social issues, but also the fiscal issues. I mean, are your candidates uh, more apt to tax first mm. and reform later? Well, you know, you see the classic battle ongoing right now in the transportation budget. You know, you've got the, uh, uh, the, Republic- the Senate Republicans that have got one particular type of a transportation budget. You've got the House Democrats right. that have another type of a, a transportation budget. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, your uh, Senate Republicans would also include some reforms, which I think uh, I agree with because there are some uh, things going on in our transportation budget, in our transportation system in general, that really don't make any sense. You know, for instance, why are we continually paying sales tax on the materials that we buy to build our roads? You know, when that sales tax goes right into the general fund to be distributed for anything that, you know, the House uh, or that the budget may end up allocating it to. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could be utilizing that money, again, for transportation. Um, you know, environmental impact studies. Uh, it's my understanding that at least one-third of the transportation budget, we're talking about a 9 maybe $10 billion a year transportation budget on average, one-third of that is utilized on environmental impact studies. Could we maybe scale that, in part, uh, you know, the EIS is back a little bit and enjoy the luxury of billions of dollars more that we can inject into infrastructure? Um you know, it's, it's just some simple things like that right. that I, I think d- differentiate the two parties, mm-hmm. the two mm-hmm. uh, ideologies, if you will, or the yeah. two directions, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been, you know, uh, some colleagues have called you ideologically driven. Sure. Um, and, you know, very passionate about your stance. Do you think that you're a person that's able to – there's obviously been some tension on the council. But do you sure. think you're a person who can – uh, as they would say, reach across the aisle that can, instead of seeing they have this way and we have this way, are you a person that can try to get that middle ground? Because obviously neither side is going to ever have exactly what they would want. Mm-hmm. Are you a person who can do that? Because in your campaign, it's, of course, uh, it was said that you you can work with the other side. Obviously, you're coming here and talking to us, so and and we seem to be talking just fine. But those claims that you're ideologically driven and that you're stubborn and hard to work with, do you think they have any standing? Uh, they would, and they do. <laughs> and, and, hey, I'm be, just being straight up. They would and they do if you're not being allowed an opportunity to mm-hmm. provide your pers- your perspective, your opinion, your side of the story. And a lot of times we find that one side is getting shut out over the other. Um, You know, give you a good example. It's like I said, going back to the discussion on paid sick leave. We have already seen examples in the city of Spokane over the last couple of years where the business community was totally locked out of a Mm -hmm. discussion. Uh, You know, one as recent as last fall, we were discussing the establishment of an apprenticeship program. And, uh, okay, I didn't really have a problem with the apprenticeship program uh, when I took a look at it from the business and the contractor side of it. You know, understanding that these people are currently operating at about 60, maybe 70 percent of what they had in employees before the reception, okay, that's where these guys are at. They are still just barely making it right now, yet... The current majority on the council that basically passed uh, and made veto-proof this apprenticeship program started out at levels 
that the contractors and the business community said would be would not be sustainable for them. They were willing to participate, mm-hmm. but not at the levels that, unfortunately, and again, for lack of a better word, the progressive side mm-hmm. wanted to establish. You know, we, they were looking at 10, 15, excuse me, 5, 10, and 15 uh, percent progressively over the next three years. Right. You know, our, our contractor base, the business community was saying, look, we could we would like to do this. We can do this. We'll participate. But it's got to be at two, three and five percent, mm-hmm. a little bit more reasonable. Unfortunately, like I said, they got locked out of the discussion, even though, according to them, they were um, assured that they would have a place at the table. Right. And it's it's that kind of um, uh, uh, procedure, that kind of a policy, that kind of a direction that. That, uh, you know, makes me want to draw that line in the sand. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, I am you know, one of the things that I made perfectly clear when I came into office is I don't necessarily have to agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you were to come to me and put an issue in my lap, I would work that issue, even though I don't agree with you. I would work that issue in the same manner as if I did. I may not vote for it when we're on the dais for the mm-hmm. final vote, but I hear your pain. You know, right. if somebody mm-hmm. calls me, somebody emails me, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, whatever the case may be, you know, in a 24 hour time period, I will definitely make my way to that person. I've got to see what it, on their face. Wh- right. What kind of pain are you going through? Mm-hmm. What is this really doing to your family? Um, walk me through your scenario. Uh, that way I have a perfect grasp, a perfect understanding of what's going on. And if there is a way. Uh, through an ordinance change, through a policy change, that we may be able to address something right. that just doesn't make any sense, then, yeah, let's let's rock and roll. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Right. Now, before we continue on with this interview, we do need to take a quick song break. Oh, that's so uh, I know. We, we really do. <laughs> um, and we're going to listen to Adam Lambert, Never Close Your Eyes. And remember that when we come back, we will be talking to Councilman Mike Fagan. And the uh, phone lines will be open for calls. Uh, we will be screening today. Uh, that number is 509-747-3807. And here's Adam Lambert. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And that was Adam Lambert. Uh, never close our eyes, just like we don't, to what's we happening around the world. Never close our eyes. Never close, I never close our my eyes. eyes when Adam Lambert is around. That's true. That's another talented truth. young man. Yeah. We have, if you've just joined us, Outspoken has been speaking, as we've called called you, sir, the very controversial Spokane City Councilman Mike Fagan. But he has been kind enough to join us in the studio and basically answer every single thing that we're throwing at him um, and be very honest about it. Yeah. I do have a question. We were talking in the break about um, we've had calls already that we've just chosen not to put on the air. And then we uh, both sides, both sides, one side, you know, very passionately unhappy about something. And another side saying, quote unquote, he's not a monster, which is kind of a hilarious statement to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what's fascinating, and this is my question. So you are never one to back down from your views, even though a lot of them may not be in the, the mainstream, as you have said, um, uh, very popular. It has caused some tension on the council. It's you. You have quotes out there that are very much like mentioning immigration and and vaccines. Do you think this lightning rod that you seem to be on the council? Do you ever feel like that's getting in the way of what you want to do? Because it just you just controversy just finds you and says we're going to talk to Mike Fagan. <laughs> yeah. So well, well I'll tell you something, guys. Um, I. Let me just make this clear. I don't go out and seek all of this attention. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, I, I've have been one that has been raised to, you know, believe that, uh, uh, you know, you, you have an opportunity to, to state your case and you do it the best way that you possibly can. You're obviously not going to make everybody out there happy. You know, uh, that's one of the first things that you learn about being in government is not everybody is going to be happy with the decisions that government as a whole makes. Uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um, you know, but like I said uh, earlier on uh, in this interview here, I would just hope that those folks out there that have a negative opinion or a negative view of, of me or where I come from is that they would just have the common courtesy of reaching out and just like you and I are doing today, right. just right. talking it through. Right. I right. will 
always, always make time for people. People are always the number one priority for me. Yeah, absolutely. You've you've been known for uh, being a councilman who will sit down. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of local politicians are the kind of people that will sit down. But you especially uh, connect with the people, uh, and that's that's what people like about you. You know that you can connect to your constituents, sit down, and say, "What's the problem? How can we move forward yeah, and make fix time. that?" Um, so, real quick question. I know we mentioned this uh, during our first uh, hour, and then uh, a couple times during this hour. Prop one, the SDA. Uh, what are your thoughts on the proposition uh, that the Spokane Transit Authority has put out? Um, it is a tax increase, but it is also an expansion of our uh, public transit. Mm-hmm. You bet. Well, it's not only just an expansion of our public transit, okay, because mm-hmm. we've also got this little tiny thing called the electric trolley yeah. that is going to come into play here. Um, first and foremost, I would like to uh, invite everybody out there that is listening this coming Wednesday starting at 7 p.m. at uh, College House, Room 101, again, over at Gonzaga. Again, that'll mm-hmm. be Gonzaga, College House, Room 101, start time 7 p.m. Amber Waldriff and I will be giving a pro and con presentation to whomever shows up uh, at that particular event. Uh, that event is... Uh, uh, for the luxury of the Gonzaga students over there. And, you know, frankly, it doesn't matter to me how many are registered to vote and how many may partake in the vote. Uh, But it's always good to get both sides of the story out. Now, obviously, Amber is going to be a proponent. She does sit on the STA board. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll tell you right now, I am not against public transit. Mm -hmm. But in this particular case, I believe that STA could do better. And I'll tell you why. What we're talking about here is a 300 million, excuse me, STA has revised their presentation. They're now saying this is a $270 million mm-hmm. sales tax proposal mm-hmm. uh, that is going to be 10 year long. And after that 10 years, it does sunset. So STA will have to come back to the voters in 10 years to renew or do something different. And, um, you know, this particular proposal is uh, based upon three to five years of surveying that has been done with mm-hmm. the customer base, the general public. And I think that's great that STA went ahead and did that for as long as they did. Bottom line in the survey results, though, are this. What people are after here in the city of Spokane and in the, in the county of Spokane is a transit system that extends their hours. Mm-hmm provides more frequent service, you know, let's say on the weekends, your service might be in every hour, every half an hour. Well, we're now talking maybe every 15 minutes, every 30 minutes, as far as frequency. Um, We're looking at providing uh, extended services over the weekend, extended services well into the night to, uh, uh, you know, deal with those particular transit riders that might um, uh, be working a swing shift, something to that effect. Exactly. Um, But nowhere in the survey that I'm aware of, does the people call for this electric trolley? Mm -hmm. And to me, the electric trolley is the poison pill of the whole measure, okay? About one quarter of this Mm -hmm. particular measure is going to be set aside for this electric trolley. So um, I'm all for the extended hours, the more frequency, et cetera, and so forth. But there's a couple of things that the general public needs to understand. First and foremost, one of the issues that I have that's near and dear to me is the amount of wear and tear that buses take on our infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Street and road damage is what I'm talking about specifically. And here's where I'm coming from. We already know factually that our buses and our fire engines or our, our large fire apparatus, their axle vehicle weight restrictions that are provided by the federal government at 20,000 pounds uh, per that axle, Uh, exceed what it is that they are actually putting on the streets. As a matter of fact, um, uh, with the Gillig buses that STA is currently driving out there right now, uh, their axle weights are running between 25 and 27,000 pounds. This is without passengers, okay? So once you start adding people to that equation, you're now increasing the axle weight on um, those buses. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Now, in the case of the buses, the federal government does issue exemptions, and that's all fine and good. Does the city keep a file of those exemptions? No, it does not. Does STA provide the city with uh, monies on an annual basis to help defray the cost of the road damage and maintenance? No, they do not. Uh, In this particular uh, tax measure, will they? 
Well, what uh, Mr. Otterstrom, the planner over at STA, did make a uh, statement to me personally a couple of Monday nights ago when we were looking at the endorsing resolution. Uh, he did say that as part of this measure, $14 million was going to change hands between STA and the city to help cover that cost of the road damage and uh, the mm-hmm. maintenance. That's great. I love it when we get uh, organizations coming together and right. they are cooperating and um, you know collaborating and things to this effect. Now, um, again, I'm all for the park and rides. I'm all for the expanded service, et cetera, sure. and so yeah. forth. But again, we're talking about uh, a, a major toll on our infrastructure, number one. Number two, with regard to the trolley itself, you have got voters in Cheney, in Spokane Valley, in Liberty Lake that are going to be voting on behalf of the people in the city mm-hmm. who will be the primary users of the Central City Line. Now, the Central City Line is, is uh, purported to be a six-mile route starting in Brown's Edition, going through downtown, going through the U District, Gonzaga, down Mission Avenue to Spokane Community College. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, at this particular point in time, uh, there is some discussion about federal grants or taxpayer money. Because even though they say it's a federal or a state grant, it is all taxpayer dollars. Somewhere. Just like you guys. I mean, we're all paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the uh, reports coming from STA are this. You know, we're planning on using $77, 75000000 million on doing this central city line. The central city line will cost about $4.1 million to maintain annually. Uh, the cost of the 60-foot electric buses is going to run about $1.2 million apiece. There is some talk about this particular measure um, that is going to generate roughly 30 bus shelters at a cost of $200,000 per bus shelter mm-hmm. when standard bus shelters cost ten to $15,000. Right. Uh, and we're talking about these $200,000 bus shelters. What are they going to be equipped with? Large screen TVs, air conditioning, heaters. Right. I mean, what's up? So what okay. you're asking for is like you're not diametrically opposed to this idea. What you want is let's look at the money. Let's look Absolutely. at where we can trim. Well, and here's Absolutely. the thing with because, those. Because I'll tell you, and, and let me go ahead and finish mm-hmm. this thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. go for it. I mean, we could accomplish the same thing mm-hmm. in this Central City Line electric trolley utilizing a methodology that would have us retain our 40-passenger buses, 40-footers. We could use the 40-foot buses during peak times and peak routes. And then when we're, used, when we're talking about non-peak usage, we're talking about 25-passenger buses. Okay, you come well under the actual rate restrictions using the 25-passenger buses. You can have a heck of a lot more of them out there on the street dealing with your uh, increased frequency, your later uh, time routes, things to this effect. You're not taking the toll on the infrastructure as you would normally. And with this electric trolley, guys, you just got to imagine, we're not talking about a biodiesel engine. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a lead battery-laden vehicle. So what happens in the city of Spokane during the middle, the latter part of summer, beginning of fall, you're looking at temperatures of 95, 100 degrees, and what happens to asphalt? During the heat, we're talking about asphalt getting pliable. So what is the plan on this lead battery laden trolley at every stop? What is the plan by STA to ensure that these trolleys do not sink into the asphalt when they stop to get a recharge along the route? Mm -hmm. Now, let let me just make sure that the buses are lead, and you're sure of this because most electric vehicles actually use uh, ion batteries now and nitrogen cell and uh, lithium-ion batteries and not lead, uh, much less dangerous. And, I mean, companies like Tesla have been using electric battery vehicles uh, much safer than they have with the lead. Um, and two, two questions for you. Um, first, what's, what's a better, like, I mean, yes, this isn't the perfect plan, and I'll, I'll admit that. It's not the perfect plan for Spokane, but a lot of cities our size, like Salt Lake City, who are smaller, have uh, a trolley, have a, a line, a light rail unit, you know, a bigger transportation 
uh, system than we do. So is there a better plan out there that we could propose? Or do we just say, look, this is the poison pill here. The central city line uh, is not uh, you know, usable by everyone. So we kill the whole bill and then bus transit you know, funding goes down and we don't have uh, transportation. And second, doesn't um, you know, riders on the bus technically take off infrastructure damage because we have less cars on the road? And one person on a bus uh, is one less car on the road and cars you know, also cause that damage. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on those, um, you know, facts. Sure, sure. You betcha. Well, um, you know, I can tell you that the mm-hmm. the bus line that they have in Salt Lake City, uh, and, and this is really funny because a colleague of mine, uh, Council Member John Snyder, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. when we were going through that vote, uh, mm-hmm. right after we took the vote, he ended up challenging me as to the reason why. I voted no on endorsing the STA measure, and right. and I basically explained it to him. And he offered at that particular point to take a chunk of his travel budget and send me to Salt Lake City to go see uh, this induction-type uh, technology being yeah. utilized by uh, Salt Lake City. Well, I'm sorry, John, but guess what? The technology is not being made by a U.S. manufacturer at this point. We all know that. So save your travel budget. Don't send me to Salt Lake City because I'm not going to see what it is that you think I'm going to see down there in Salt Lake. Uh, And, yes, the batteries on the Salt Lake City bus at this point are lead batteries. Uh, And, again, the technology does not exist in the United States or it is not being manufactured by a U.S. company. Therefore, STA is not going to be able to get the federal grant that they are claiming that they're going to be able to get for this. Um, Now, it's my understanding that uh, they aren't going to be fully implementing the central city line Mm -hmm. for another four to five years so in hopes of getting this technology being made by a u.s manufacturer so what are we saying that 77 million dollars of this particular tax measure you just want to trust us with the money right in Mm -hmm. hopes that this technology is going to be available in the united states and therefore we can get a federal grant to provide it you know, your comments with regard to, uh, okay, if we get an additional bus rider, well, isn't that going to take a car off the road? Yeah, I would tend to think that that would make a little bit of sense. Mm-hmm. But when you take in consideration, we've got 212,350 people in the city of Spokane. And in accordance with STA's own literature, 2.8% of that population doesn't have cars in the household. And only 40% of that 2.8% actually rides the bus. What are we talking about in numbers? We're talking about 2.8% is going to be somewhere between six and 7,000 people in the city, no cars, and then 40% of that, somewhere between, what, 2,500 and mm-hmm. 3,000 people are actually going to take the bus. And now we're reporting that just in 2014, we set this great big ridership record of 11.3 million riders. Again, folks, you've got to take a look at the literature because if you were to just do the basic simple math on what STA is claiming to have as ridership, i.e. 40,000 rides in the, during the weekday, mm-hmm. Monday through Friday, okay? Well, I'll tell you what, if you sit down and do the math, it doesn't work out to 11.3 million. You're about a million riders off. Right. Um, you know, and again, it's just part of doing the due diligence, part of doing the drill down. Um, part of uh, that part of the ideology that makes the most sense to you. So like I said during the onset of this discussion, I don't have anything against transit. It is something that we need, but there is a smarter way, in my opinion, in order to do this. When you take examples from Milwaukee mm-hmm. and from Portland, of all places, from let's just talk about Portland real quick since you know there's a, uh, been a lot of uh, comparison, if you will, between uh, what Spokane is and where Spokane needs to be versus where Portland is at now and where they used to be, as well as Seattle. Let's look at it from this standpoint. One of the claims being made is if we have this central city line, if you build it, they will come. That this will generate 1,000 jobs, that this will generate all kinds of economic development opportunities. It will cause uh, developers to build along the route. It'll cause um, stores to open along the route, etc. Again, look at the example coming out of Portland. Back in the 80s, they built their, their bus rapid transit systems. They got two systems over there. All through the 90s, it was one of these deals where build it and they will come. Nobody came. 
Nobody came until the city of Portland and the taxpayers over there had to pony up with another $800 million in economic development incentives that they were providing to developers and businesses, uh, and retail establishments to locate along the lines. And then in the case of the rail systems, and Portland's got three, the taxpayers and the city of Portland had to pony up another $1.2 billion mm-hmm. in taxpayer-provided subsidies in order to provide that build-it-and-they-will-come uh, vision. Provide, uh, you know, the fact that you've got businesses and retail and everybody else building and establishing along those lines. So what I'm saying here is let's take an example from some of the other cities that we are trying to emulate. You look at Milwaukee over here. Again, another one of the uh, the claims being made by STA is that the central city line is all about what us millennials are all about. Wrong. This is not what they found out over in Milwaukee. What they found out over in Milwaukee is we're not looking at vehicle ownership going down. Wasn't the case at all. A lot of people are still in love with their cars. I'm in love with my car. I love the freedom that you get with your automobile. What is on the minds of the millennials at this particular point are issues of equity, issues of tolerance, all of those social hot-button issues mm-hmm. that are currently you know, mainstream right now. That's what's on the millennials' minds right now. Well, again, at least according mm-hmm. to yeah, absolutely you know, another study. Now, as a millennial, I will tell you that I agree with all those issues, and public transit and city line is on my mind. Um, but we don't have enough time to uh, sure. go into a lot like of other things. I feel like we had, so, we had many things, so many things, so much more to ask. <laughs> I think we might just have to have you on another time. I that would be fun. Because I guarantee be great. you, it's been fun. Yeah, it's I, been a absolutely. blast. Well, we appreciate you coming in and talking with us. I will say, uh, as we've said, we've had a lot of comments. Both sides, uh, as we said, it can be very passionate when it comes to to you in politics. But the good thing is, something that I have to remind people that you have said time and again that we need to remember, which is do your due diligence. Go out there. If if Councilman Fagan has done anything and Mm -hmm. inspired your thought, whether it's you're mad or you, you agree, go out and make sure what you know about those opinions and make them your own. Just because I said it on the air, just because Siri said it on, just because uh, Mike Fagan said it, this is your chance, which is what this, this whole country is about to take that and go figure out why you're mad or why you are passionately supportive. Mm -hmm. Go do your due diligence. And that I appreciate, sir, uh, that you say all the time. Um, and I'm going to tell you, we're going to get so many emails about, why didn't you ask this? So we're going to have to just we, yeah, do that. In exactly. Yeah, that's fine. Anytime, <laughs> yeah. anytime you guys want to revisit, that's great. You guys have been wonderful. Well, oh, thank, well, thank you, you, sir. We are going to take a brief break. We and will. And then you will get to hear Think on This, which is right after our show.